This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay. This is a program called Real Wealth. It's our pleasure, as always, to have in the studio Jeff Wilson from the Stewart Group in Hastings. How are you going, Jeff? Very good, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you too. Good Christmas, New Year, all that sort of stuff. Oh, it was wonderful, yeah. Lovely break, uh, but good to be back. Good on you. Now, today we're going to talk about something that is probably dear to every Kiwi, and that is Kiwi Saver. And uh, there are some changes coming along. Uh, yes, yes. So currently there are about 2.9 million Kiwi Saver accounts, um, which is uh, pretty good considering mm-hmm. the, po- the population. Um, and KiwiSaver has been going since uh, 2007, if I recall. But in 2019, there are some planned changes, just some modifications, but it should make life easier for uh, everybody. Tweaks in favour of uh, the customer or in favour of the providers? Oh, very much in favour of the, the customer or the uh, the KiwiSaver account holder. Um, I would just say that this is all subject to legislative approval. Uh, there is a taxation bill currently before government, but the intention is to make uh, KiwiSaver a little bit more consumer-friendly and uh, also available to a wider group of people. Seems to be a no-brainer that you would be part of KiwiSaver, but why, for instance, wouldn't you want to be? Why wouldn't you be part of KiwiSaver? Yeah, not too many compelling reasons, but um, potentially if you're in a sort of major debt situation where um, any um, contributions that you're making would be better focused towards um, KiwiSaver, um, then, yeah, other than that, it it really is a a bit of a no-brainer, particularly as the the government is very keen to... uh, uh, incentivize you and give you mm. up to $521.43 um, free contribution on the basis that you contribute at least $1,000 or $90 a month approximately. Like I say, it seems to be like a bit of a no-brainer, but do you ever see the time when KiwiSaver might be compulsory? Well, it's been talked about, mm. um, and I, uh, I wouldn't rule that out. Um, clearly, the government are trying to encourage more people to save. I guess the challenge and possibly um, what makes up uh, some of those that, that have yet to take up KiwiSaver are those on um, low incomes. But obviously, the the news that the government is looking to raise the minimum wage mm. over the coming years um, could actually help facilitate more people into KiwiSaver. I suppose we could have an argument on that. Not that we would argue, but this sort of giving someone an extra dollar seventy an hour can be a double-edged sword, can't it? 
Yes, I mean, um, obviously, if you're an employer um, of uh, sort of lower wage earners, uh, that might be a bit of a challenge. But on the whole, you have to say it's a good thing. Yeah. Now, these new changes that have come along, who in the main will they affect? Any one group in particular? Yes, so um, there is one particular group that uh, stands to benefit that haven't uh, till now been able to access KiwiSaver, and that is the over 65s. Mm. Um, so you may ask yourself, well, KiwiSaver is all about accessing money from retirement age, which is currently 65. So why would over 65s um, be wanting to join? And what we're seeing is that actually um, the a lot of people now are still in active employment mm. at age 65. And, and why not? If you're healthy enough and you're um, capable of doing a good job, um, why not stay in employment? So um, in that sense, uh, we kind of say 70 is the new 65. People are yes, looking indeed. to perhaps retire towards 70. So um, until now, if you've been 65 or over, you have actually not been able to access KiwiSaver. Well, even in five years, um, you can, can you can actually generate some some fairly significant uh, contributions and, and fund accrual. So, um, yes, that is, again, subject to legislation. That will be, uh, hopefully, um, uh, an avenue for the over-65s to be able to tap into KiwiSaver. Interesting to see that they've made that change or they're going to make that change in the law that over 65s are eligible, eligible to join. But interesting that employers aren't mandated to put a, a subsidy in or contribute to that. I wonder why no, that would be. No, that's correct. Um, well, that's just part of the, the current legislative requirement is that um, employers are obviously mandated to uh, provide a commensurate um, um, uh, contribution or at least three percent most are at three percent some employers may offer a, a little bit of a higher contribution but yes clearly uh, at the moment in the legislation they're only mandated up to retirement age and unless the retirement age in in government or legislative terms changes then that's not likely to change so yes that is one um negative shall we say of the over 65s um joining is that if they're still in employment their employer technically doesn't have to um provide the employer contribution but they're still um you know, potentially able to access uh, government contributions as well as um, make their own voluntary contributions. Just to clarify that point, so if you've been working for an employer prior to the age of 65 and then once you hit that magic retirement age of 65, your employer's obligation ceases? As it stands at the moment, yes, and you, uh, there is some um, debate and argument that that's a little bit... Um, Operating against a you know a little bit ageist almost yes, because uh, as you say up to sixty four and three hundred sixty four days you're eligible for that contribution and yet beyond sixty five seemingly not that may still come through um, in in legislative changes that's still to be determined but under current legislation the employer could carry on contributing it's at the employer's discretion as opposed to mandatory yeah. This, uh, maybe going to look at another change in the legislation. That's a removal, a removal of the five-year lock-in period. What does that mean in real terms? Yeah, so currently if you're uh, between 60 and 65, 
you are eligible to join KiwiSaver, um, but you're not able to uh, withdraw or access your funds uh, until you've been in KiwiSaver for at least five years. So effectively, um, if you're 64 and you join up, then you wouldn't be able to access your funds till 69. Now, you could argue why would you join at 64 and then try and take Mm -hmm. out what would be a fairly small amount at 65. So we're actually encouraging um, anybody who's 64 or or before their 65th birthday that isn't in KiwiSaver to to take advantage of this lock-in period now because one of the benefits is that they will be able to um, access five years' worth of government contributions. Um, which is, by my maths, is $2,607.15 that they could access over that five-year period, but that is on the proviso that they're contributing at least $90 per month. What are some of the reasons that we might want to access that money? For anybody? Hardship? Yes, so so currently... um, uh, KiwiSaver was obviously ostensibly set up for two reasons. One was to uh, for uh, retirement, so the retirement age is 65 currently, and also there is the provision for um, the younger uh, younger members uh, to be able to access KiwiSaver for first home purchase. But there are some other. Um, uh, reasons uh, or, or mechanisms that can operate uh, whereby you can withdraw your funds prior to age 65. They tend to be uh, based around either hardship, mm-hmm. uh, that's financial hardship obviously, or serious illness, um, or indeed if you are moving overseas permanently. Um, I think from memory, after one year, you can then access uh, your um, KiwiSaver funds, um, other than if you're in Australia where some different rules apply. Um, But there is a a new uh, um, consideration before government. It's not legislative at this stage. But I think this is a really um, important and, and um, you know, desired move. And a lot has been in the press lately about uh, a gentleman called Tim Fairhall mm. who um, uh, is, uh, has Down syndrome. He's 39 years of age and he has been lobbying uh, government uh, to be able to access his funds uh, prior to 65 because in reality um, he's not likely mm. to live to 65 um, and he wants to be able to access his funds for his so-called retirement. Now as it stands at the moment the legislation does not make any provision for um, people with life-shortening conditions. So um, there's a long way to go because it will require a legislative change but I applaud uh, Minister Chris Farfoy, who has uh, engaged two independent advisors to um, undertake a bit of a review um, as and, and uh, to see how people with life-shortening conditions may be able to access their, um, their KiwiSaver funds early. And I believe they're um, giving advice to the Minister by the end of February of this year. Does seem to be a bit of a no-brainer, really, doesn't it? I mean, if, you, if you've got a, a, life con- uh, a life-shortening condition... Why would there be any argument about giving it to you? 
Yes, I mean, um, it's not necessarily a serious illness, which is the other criteria mm. uh, where you can access the funds. Um, but, but clearly, um, yeah, the, these are some of the anomalies uh, that are, are, are coming up. And obviously, the legislative framework needs to be um, adaptable. And I think um, clearly uh, in Chris Farfoy uh, commissioning these experts uh, to, to investigate, um, I I think that's a um, as I say I, I applaud that and and hopefully that will um, uh, ultimately result in people such as Tim um, being able to access their funds early. Now, a bit earlier you mentioned the word hardship and I, I think when we just look around ourselves you know, there are many many people now suffering and in fact there's a new type of poor and that is uh, two income families. <laughs> what happens when we get to the stage where we think look we, we're looking at our budget and we just can't afford to pay that money into KiwiSaver every week. What sort of um, remedy can we put there? Can we say to the government, look, we just can't afford to put the money in for the next 12 months because we're strapped? Can we do that? Yes. Yeah, so, so currently um, there is a provision that allows for what's termed a contributions holiday. So um, it doesn't have to be uh, conditional upon hardship, mm-hmm. but that's logically, as you say, maybe when people would um, uh, wish to divert uh, some of their contributions to, to other um, uh, requirements. And so under the current legislation, um, uh, contributions holidays um, can apply after you've been um, in KiwiSaver about 12 months, uh, particularly if you're an employee. Yeah. And um, currently you're eligible to uh, take a contributions holiday for up to five years. But I think the government have realised that five years is possibly a bit too long. Um, And so part of the uh, proposed legislative change is um, designed to help people... um, you know, um, um, take still take what they're now going to call a savings suspension, mm-hmm. as opposed to a contributions holiday, um, but reduce that period down to one year, so that um, it's it's uh, enough time for hopefully people to to get through the situation that they they need, but then they can get back onto the the saving program. Do you have to prove hardship to do that? Not in terms of the contributions holiday, but obviously in terms of claiming your uh, KiwiSaver funds, there is a process that you have to go through. What about if we reverse the situations and now I'm an employer and I'm going through hard times? Can I then go to the government and say, look, I just can't afford to pay this contribution for my employees? Would they cut me some slack there? Uh, good question. Um, I, I don't actually know the answer to that, but I suspect not because it is currently a compulsory requirement. Mm. So, um, no, I'm not aware of that that uh, being uh, that discretion being allowed. Maybe we need to get hold of Chris, a bit of a chat with him. Chris Farfoy, that is. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Well, he's a, he's a he's a very um, Chris is is I've I've met him a couple of times now, and Chris is uh, the one thing you would say he's very passionate about um, uh, seeing the consumer um, benefit not only from KiwiSaver but from financial advice in general. KiwiSaver would seem to me as a not a peasant looking in from the outside, but it would seem to me it's, it's, it is a bit of a no brainer, isn't it? Yes, um, I mean, I think uh, you could argue that there is uh, perhaps less of a reason for, say, children 
to be in, in, included in KiwiSaver, particularly as the government withdrew the $1,000 kickstart. And I'm not aware that there is any intention in the near future to reintroduce the, the, the kickstart. Um, but notwithstanding that, um, I have my kids in KiwiSaver and, more importantly, contributing. So um, not only does it get them into a bit of a mindset of, of saving for, for future, um, but more practically, um, as and when they uh, reach employment age uh, of 18, um, they already have a little bit of, um, uh, of a nest egg uh, established for, upon which they can build because more often than not now, um, these kids are going to be looking to purchase first homes yeah. using KiwiSaver as a deposit. Now, I'm pretty slack when it comes to looking after my finances. In fact, I just let the boss look after everything at home. She's, but she's been on my back for quite some years, and I have to put my hand up and say I was hopeless at what I did. But when I joined KiwiSaver, I think the guy I was working with at the time said, oh, well, she would just put you into the... What do, you, what do you call oh, it? Oh, the default the fund. The default fund. And I say, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, you go for that. But that's probably literally cost me thousands of dollars since I have been in the scheme. And since I, since I have come along and seen uh, the great team at the Stu Group, and they've put me on the right track. And, <laughs> and I have since changed that, yes. although possibly a bit late in my life. But, I mean, from um, someone listening to this um, this program, and they are in KiwiSaver and they're in the default scheme, mm. Would you recommend that regardless of their age that they come and see you and have a talk about how they could reinvest that fund that they've got? Yes, look, I, I think the, the, the key thing I would say is that, that KiwiSaver is uh, it's not something you need to look at every day of the mm. week. Um, but as your personal circumstances change, so it's opportune for you to review your KiwiSaver arrangements. Now, statistically, I think 70% of KiwiSavers are, are held with, with banks, mm-hmm. and that's often for convenience sake. Uh, they just get signed up as and when they're um, getting a mortgage or opening a new account and so forth. Um, and uh, look, I'm sure that the banks do, do a great job, but, uh, but they tend not to be uh, at your side mm. on a regular basis monitoring whether the, the fund choice is, is, is appropriate for your needs. So that's really what we as advisors are, are, are there to do is to sit down with you and just evaluate whether your KiwiSaver is fit for your particular requirements at a given time. Um, the default schemes are, tend to be very um, conservative, low-risk schemes, mm. and that's a requirement um, from, from, from government, uh, that they're, they're not in any sort of particular high-risk um, fund investment. But clearly, as you have um, outlined, um, Ken, that um, if, if you're in that and you don't sort of monitor that or reevaluate that, there is a risk that you are missing out on potential um, better returns by being in a, in a more appropriate fund. And that's really what we're there to do mm. is to um, establish whether a more appropriate fund uh, is, 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 is relevant. Um, aside from funds, I think the other aspect which um, is, uh, goes back to one of the other uh, proposed changes is the amount of contributions that you as the employee um, 
are making and typically people are on the the minimum level of three percent contribution that's three percent of gross salary and that's often then matched by the the employer but your options currently are four percent or eight percent and um, what's being proposed is some greater flexibility on that um, and that potentially six percent and ten percent mm. will 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 come in now um, that ten percent of gross salary is going to be a stretch for a lot of people particularly sure. if you've got uh, mortgages and other expenses and particularly with children so um, that will only suit certain people but if you're for example um, single um, living at home or relatively low low um, e- expenses um, and you're looking to um, aspire to buy a first home then Ten percent of your salary may be achievable. Mm. So, so it's it's as much about the level of contribution that you make as well as the fund choice. Can you readily review that contribution? So, if we go in at ten percent this year, can we then downgrade it next year to six or four or three? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it can it's very very flexible and um, normally it can be turned around within sort of twenty four hours. So it's not a not a problem to 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 change that as indeed um switching funds um is is very very straightforward to do as well you mentioned uh, the default uh, option there are two others aren't there Oh, there's there's more than two, um, but but classically the the ones that that people would be most familiar with would be um, three, which is a conservative fund. Um, so there's default, there's conservative, there's growth fund, which is tends to be higher risk, um, but potentially higher returns, and then one that sits in the middle is is kind of known as the balance fund. Yeah. Is there an age bracket that you might um, suggest to people that they're going to one of those funds? I mean, if I was 18, you might say, let's go into the, the, the best return one, for want of a better word, the high-risk one. Is that what you'd recommend? Yeah, so so um, we have a, a, a phrase called time horizon. It's a very much a financial uh, jargon. But um, what what essentially we're saying there is, is uh, I would ask the question, how far away are you from wanting to access your funds? So if you're, for example, 18 and your objective is to uh, secure a deposit for a first home purchase by the time you're uh, 25, for example, then your time horizon in that situation is about seven years. So um, I would be probably uh, typically in that situation, you would see people being in more of a balanced fund. Uh, because of the time horizon but if that 18 year old was saying no look I'm not worried about first home purchase I'm thinking purely about retirement uh, well that's obviously 40 odd years away Mm -hmm. Um, then typically we would see um, with that kind of long time horizon we would actually uh, see people in a growth fund where Whilst there's some some potential for higher sort of risk and returns, and the market is volatile as it has been at the the end of last year, yes, indeed. Um, that um, the, there's still enough time in the future for any volatility to be sort of ironed out. Yeah. Just about out of time, Jeff. Just to remind our listeners, we want to come and see you for some advice uh, with regard to Kiwi Saver. Where is the Stewart Group? 
So we're based in uh, 202 Karamu Road, north in Hastings. And our phone number, you can ring a free phone number. It's 0800 878 961. As always, our pleasure. You look after yourself. We'll talk to the same time, same place next time. Look forward to it. Thanks. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a volunteer-based community access station. For more information, go to www.radiokidnappers.org.nz. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this program available through funding the Access Internet Radio Project.